Good morning, everybody. Great to see you this morning. Uh, great to worship together. Thanks, Judith and Paul, for helping us to do that. Uh, let me, I just want to pray, but just before I do that, um, I know that uh, I know that many of you in the room. I'll be surprised if there's many in the room will will know uh, a lady by the name of Rachel Held Evans. Um, Rachel Held Evans, over the last couple of years, has been uh, she's a follower of Jesus. Um, wrote some wonderful books and said some wonderful things, and and uh, and I just want to acknowledge this morning, just because there's very few people that have been as influential in my thinking. Uh, in my journey and pursuing and following Jesus over the last couple of years as, as Rachel Held Evans has been. And, uh, and so I just wanted to acknowledge that this morning just as, from a personal point of view. Um, a couple of weeks back, she went into hospital with the, with the flu, had an allergic reaction to uh, antibiotics and, um, and she went to be with Jesus yesterday morning, uh, Saturday morning. Um, and left behind a husband and a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And, uh, and, and so I just wanted to acknowledge that. And, and I know many of you will not have heard of her before, but just if, uh, if you remember this story at all throughout the week, that maybe you would just pray for, for, this, for this family or for this, this father. He's left with huge medical bills. He's left with, the, left with a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And, um, and so just, uh, there were just so many things that uh, as I all of... All of yesterday and last night, just um, reading over some of the notes that I'd taken from her and some of the books that I'd read. And, um, and there's so much that I could have quoted, but let me just read this one as we consider what it is to be a church, what it is to be family. There is a difference. This is what she said. This, there is a difference between curing and healing. And I believe that the church is called to the slow and difficult work of healing. We are called to enter into one another's pain, anoint it as holy, and stick around no matter the outcome. There's not, and as I remember some of what she said there, I also remember her saying that we are called not to wage war, but to, but to wash feet. And she, uh, she went through a period of just no longer waging war. Because we can do that in the church. We can do that even as part of the bride of Christ. We can spend our time waging, waging war against one another and fighting about who's right and who's wrong. But the example we have from Jesus and the example that she lived out was one of washing, uh, was wa one, of washing one another's feet. Even those that you didn't always agree with. Even those that would possibly go on and betray you. And, uh, and so I just wanted to acknowledge her death this morning and... Uh, and even commend her, her material to you and believing and praying that her voice continues to be heard. So, uh, so let me pray. Um, Father, as we open your word this morning, as we, uh, as we gather around it together, we gather around it together to see what you want to say to us as a people. And, uh, and so Holy Spirit, I just pray you would come just and anoint these, these, uh, these feeble lips, God. You anoint these these feeble hands and uh, God, you just anoint me by your spirit, God, and I acknowledge that um, I need you and I want you, I really want you this morning just to, just to impart something to us, God. Even as we look at some practical things of how we can 
Um, continue to pray. Continue to pray for our community. Continue to love it really well. Continue to love it uh, to a place of it finding life and purpose and meaning. We want to love this place in such a way that it, that, that would become the story of this community. We'd love it into the life of that Jesus longs for it to experience. And so, Father, I just pray that you would that you would come and you would be among us. You would be among us. Thank you for what we've sang. Thank you for who we've sang about. And that's what we want it to be about this morning, God. We don't want it, we don't want to sing songs that are about us, God. We want to sing songs that that say, "Yes, what a beautiful name, what a powerful name." And it's, it's, it's your name that we're coming to this morning. It's your name that we submit ourselves to and surrender and bow down to this morning. So would you come and, and be so near to us, wherever we find ourselves today, in a place of disappointment or hurt or confusion. God, thank you for this, this, uh, this language that, that Rachel Held Evans used. God, that we are called to to call to the slow work of, of journeying together, anointing it as holy and sticking around no matter the outcome. And so um, unite our hearts and our minds and our lives together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, numbers 13, do you want to go to Numbers chapter 13? Uh, really this morning I, I want to uh, talk about, um, I want to talk about the benefit uh, what I, th I think there's a benefit that we glean from in Scripture, and I have begun to experience it personally of prayer walking. And Judith has already sang, Judith has already sang that incredible song, uh, just like the walls came down at, at Jericho. And, uh, and so Neville's already told you about Friday night, and I just want to once again uh, commend to you uh, Friday night that, that you would be here. The, um, our guys will be uh, helping in the worship, but with Vibe coming from Armagh, our friends, over in Vibe Church in Armagh will be coming to, to, to join with us in worship, to join with us in, in taking part in, 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 in worship. And, and so just that line that, that Judith, Judith led us in there, just like the armies fled when worship rose. And so there is there's stuff that, that, that takes place in our community. There's strangleholds that the, that the enemy has on this place. And, and so there's just something about that language, there's something about that song that, that stirred something within me this morning as a consider Friday night. And we'd love you to, to send the invitation for others to come and, and to join us. You gather the body, you gather the bride and the body just to be able to worship together because uh, something happens when worship, when worship rises. Just like the armies fled when worship rose, we believe in breakthrough. And, uh, and so once again, please be, uh, please be here on Friday night. Um, grab a few others to come with you if you can, if they're free. And uh, and also just while we're just while I'm on the place of echoing what Neville's already said, the Tabar conference is thirty five pound, and I know that that maybe um, seems a bit pricey for a couple of days, but it includes all of your meals, your lunches, your dinners, all of that, and uh, and so we'd love you to be there. And if you can't be there, um, and you want to be there, but finances is holding you back, come and come and speak to us. I'm really keen that you would um, be part of uh, be part of these couple of days together in June. Numbers chapter 13 is, uh, is the story of um, the children of Israel, God calling, send to Moses, Moses send some men to go and explore the land of Canaan because I'm going to give it to you. 
send some men to go and explore it. And, uh, and what struck me actually over the last couple of days, and I've probably read this, probably read this many times, but actually it was the, it was the leaders, it was the leaders of all of the tribes of Israel that, that Moses selected. These weren't, these weren't men that, ha- that hadn't, that were wet behind the ears or whatever. <laughs> they weren't, these weren't young guys. These weren't inexperienced. These were leaders of their, of their tribes. These were leaders of the Israelites that were, that were called out from all of, the, all of the 12 tribes to go and explore the land, to go and walk the land that the Lord wanted to give. And that is, that is what, uh, that's, the ch- that's these chapters that we are just going to look at as a, a bit of, of a foundation this morning. So Numbers 13, the first verse is, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to you. And so Moses grabs, uh, gets all the tribes together and selects leaders from all 12 tribes. And, uh, and then we have the list of the names, the 12 names there in, from, verse, uh, from verse 4 down to verse 15. These are the names of the men that Moses sent to explore the land. These are the men that, Mo- that went out to walk the ground, see what was going on, see where, where the enemy was at, see where the fruit could be found. And that was the instructions that they went with. See what the land is like. What kind of land is it? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or, or fortified? It, how is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? And do your best to bring back uh, some of the fruit of the land. And that's what they did. And at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They returned from walking the ground seeing what was going on and beginning to, beginning to believe. Well, two of them did anyway. Beginning to believe that what was possible um, for, for, the, for the children of God as they walked on the land that God really wanted to give them. And so this is the report that they came back. The report from the walking on the ground. My mouth sound dry. My wife must have turned and give you a look, did you? Thanks, Nev. So this is the report. They reported, came back to Moses. We went into the land which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. And here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. And they, and I love verse 30. Verse 30 is, is some of the stuff that I used to pray over Caleb every night as he lies in bed. Because Caleb was hearing the reports of this. The majority of them were saying, no, we can't take the land. The majority of them were saying, yes, we recognize that the Lord wants to give it. We recognize that it's, that it's the, that the promise that he wants us to walk in. We recognize that it's the land that he wants his people to, to, to take ownership of. But... It's too difficult, but what is there is, is too much for us to overcome. And they wanted to retreat. They wanted to stay in a place where it was comfortable. They wanted to stay in a place where it was familiar. But Caleb stood up, Caleb stood up and he silenced the people. He silenced the people, we're told in verse 30. 
And he silenced them and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land because we can certainly do it. Let's go and take it. We can definitely do it. That spirit of Caleb is, um, I'm, I'm longing for it for us today. I'm longing for it, of course, for my own Caleb, for my own boy, but I'm longing for it for the church. Because where we, can, where we can fall into the temptation is to say we are comfortable where we are. This is nice where we are. This has become familiar where we are. We've been, we've been freed from Egypt. Let's just say here, it's safe here. It's comfortable here. It's pleasant here. Let's just stay where we're at. Why put ourselves through the bother of stepping into territory where the enemy is, is big and he's powerful? Why go, to the, why go to the bother of walking in the land that, is, that we could be harmed, where we could be attacked? That was their argument. That was their fear. Rachel Hill Evans actually also said, imagine, imagine a church. Imagine a church where everyone felt safe and no one felt comfortable. I love that. I'm longing that you all feel safe this morning. But there's a part of me as we consider what it would be to, to walk the land and to declare the lordship of Jesus over the streets and the, and the businesses and the schools and all in this place. It's going to take surrender. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take, it's going to take getting up and moving out. And so we want to be, we want to be safe. I want to, I want to be a, I want to be part of a church. I want to be in a church where everyone feels safe, but no one feels comfortable. And as the story goes on, as we read on in chapter fourteen and follow the this this story, we see that others, the majority of these twelve that came back, came back with a, with a, they didn't come back with a good report. Caleb and Joshua came back with a good report. And what is the consequence of that is that others did not experience all that God had for them to walk into. Because they opted for safety, I believe. I, I think they opted for what had become familiar. They were happy that they'd been rescued for Egypt and, and that, from Egypt and that was enough for them. And I just wonder, is that the, is, could that be the case for some of us in the church today? We're happy that we've been rescued. We're happy that the Father has heard our cry, has seen where we're in. He's come and he's rescued us and he's brought us out. But we're happy to stay where we are. We're happy to stay in a place of safety or in a place where we're comfortable and in a place where it is familiar. And my fear is, as I consider my own walk, as I consider my own journey, I become aware that my default, my default can often be to settle for mediocrity. And for those of us that were part of the, the four cups in the living room over Easter, we looked at the four I will promises of, of God that he spoke to, to the children of Israel. And, he, and, it, and I still think it's his heart for us today. I will bring you out. I will bring you out, but I will also, I will also set you free. And we've talked about the difference in that because sometimes we can be brought out, brought out of Egypt, but sometimes Egypt can still be in us and and so we want, to be, we want to be set free. We want to be brought out. We want to be set free. But it gets better. It gets better. The promises of God are that we would be redeemed. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And I will be your people. You will be my people and I will be your God. And sometimes we stop. Sometimes we settle for just being brought out of Egypt. Sometimes we settle for being rescued. But actually, the, the heart of the Father, the longing of the Father is that, we would, that is that we would keep going. 
we would keep pursuing him in this journey of where he wants to take us. He wants to, us to step into the land, explore the land, and believe like Caleb, let's go and take it. We can certainly do it. The majority will want to stay back. This is familiar. This is easier. Let's stay here. But we need Caleb's and Joshua's to rise up and say, no, he set us free, not just for our own sakes. He set us free so that we can go and, and take the land and that we can raise the banner of, of, of God. We can raise his name. And as we do that, as he blesses us, we become a blessing to the nations, become a blessing to all those around us. And so we need a Caleb in this day, I believe, in our families. In our families, actually, we need it. And sometimes, sometimes it'll be me, but other times it'll be Judith. Other times it could just be the kids. We need, a, we need a, that Caleb spirit that will silence fear. We need, a, we need that Caleb spirit to silence the, the, or to get rid of settling for mediocrity. We need a Caleb to silence the negative report. We need a Caleb to say, to silence the, the majority saying what can't be done. We need a Caleb and a Joshua to say it can be done. Yes, we can certainly do it. Let's take it. And so when we follow the story on, and uh, I don't have time to delve too deeply into it this morning, but just, just to give you some of the highlights on the journey. In Joshua chapter 1, um, Joshua chapter 1, we are told of the, the, the death of Moses. Moses had, had died. The death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. The Lord said to Joshua, the Joshua who had believed what was possible, the Joshua who, who believed that when he explored the land, walked the land, he believed what was possible. He did not want to stay where it was comfortable. He did not want to stay where the place, the space was familiar. He believed that they could go and take it. And they could definitely do it. And so it's this Joshua who was Moses, Moses's assistant Upon the death of Moses, God comes and says, the Lord said to him, Moses is dead. Now get all you, you and all of these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them uh, to the Israelites. And I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. There's something about that over the last number of weeks as I've, as I've just tried to walk this community, as I've tried to, to walk around this village and, and, and go on to verses like this, especially in Joshua 1 verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot. And the, the other side of the coin is that if you don't become passionate about prayer walking, because if... Because something I think that the Lord is challenging me about is that if you don't walk on it, you're not getting it. If you don't claim it, if you don't set your foot on it, you're not getting it. And so it stays the way it is. Things stay the way they are. People stay in a place of loneliness. People stay in a place of darkness. People stay in a place of hopelessness. But he wants us to go and take the land to bring the hope of Jesus. He wants us to go and walk the land, set foot on the land. And as we begin to walk it, we begin to declare his lordship over it. And as we read Joshua chapter 6, we read about the, the walls of Jericho. 
whenever I was walking, I walked the, the nice easy route. And Neville walks the difficult route. I didn't know he was out this morning, but as we walked, as we, we walked up the square, I was walking up the hill from where, where we live. Neville was walking the opposite direction. We passed each other. And I says, what about we just keep walking? We'll, do, we'll go and do this seven times. Let's just walk seven times and believe that he's just going to give us the land here and now. But there was something about that. As, as I walked on, I, I, I do believe that when we look at the story, and maybe I'm stretching it a wee bit, but as we look at the story of, of, uh, of Joshua leading the people around the walls of Jericho, every time we take a step in the name of Jesus, we, there's, there is, a, there is a, a grip that the enemy has over cities and towns and places that weakens. Maybe that's why it took the seven times because every step that they took in the name of Yahweh, in the name of God, it was weakening the grip that the enemy had. And that was my sense as we as I joked with Neville this morning, but then walked on and said, actually, do you know what? I am convinced that every step we take in the name of Jesus, it is weakening the grip that the enemy has over this place. And so, and so I think there's times that I think his grip that he has over parts of this place are really tight, which means even more walking, which even means even more stepping into that place, stepping onto the ground. And saying in Jesus' name, we're, we're taking a step in your name on the ground, believing that you want to give it to us, believing that you still want to give it to your people. And so really simply, this is not, this is not my, my acronym. I think that's the right word. But th- these are the four things. These are the four things to help us practically consider um, for what it would be like for any one of us to prayer walk. And actually, I've been really challenged over the last few days because as I've been thinking about prayer walking, I've, I really have just done it around the village. I've really just done it around our community. And I've been really challenged about what it would be like when I was up at the castle the other morning. I thought, actually, what would it be like just to pray around the grounds of this place? Even more than that, what would it be like just to walk around the grounds of my house? Just to walk or just to circle my house and say, God, God I'm, I'm believing that you want to you want to protect us. You want, I, want to, I want to take this ground for you. I want to step. I want to take a step in your name around my house or around your workplace, wherever it, could, wherever it would be. Weaken the grip that the enemy has. And so the four things, the word is walk, and the four things are worship, ask, listen, and know. Worship, ask, listen, and know. And so worship, as I've already said, I love that we sang that song this morning. Just like the armies fled when worship rose, we believe in breakthrough. And so whenever we come to do this, whenever we come to do this as part of our, as part of our midweek, hopefully weather dependent, we want to we wanna do this on the, on the nights when we get together. We want to just offer some simple tools that you will be able to use as you walk, as you walk around. There's tools that, 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 that maybe you'll not need, but some of us, maybe it will, they'll need a prayer and we'll want, we, want to put a, we want to put a specific prayer into your hands that you would use as you worship. We want to put, uh, put a psalm. Maybe it's a psalm. And that's, what, that's what I did this morning. I found it really helpful. But there's times where I just don't know what to pray. I was saying to, the, I was saying to somebody, if, I was saying to the guys uh, a week or so ago, I walked around. I walked around the village a number of weeks ago, and I felt like I just groaned. 
It was one of those nights I felt like I just groaned the whole way around. I just didn't know what to pray. I didn't know what, I, I, I was just struggling to find the language to pray. I found myself just like, just God, God. I, I, was, there was, I couldn't, I, don't, I came back home and I was like, I don't even know what I articulated there. I don't even know what I prayed. I felt like, I still felt like the Lord gave me permission to do that. I felt, still felt like there was something about doing that. And, and doesn't Romans 8 tell us that even when the Spirit searches, searches our hearts, he sees when there's groanings too deep for, for words and he makes sense of them, groanings. He intercedes before, before us, he intercedes for us. And so this morning I just was using a psalm, using a psalm, to, as psalm 8 as I walked around using that as a as a worship as a as a psalm of worship as a song of worship for some of us it could just be a matter of for those that for those that again in the sometimes in the place that where I find myself not knowing what words to use so just praying in tongues just worshiping as I pray in tongues around this place and so whether it's a psalm whether it's a song that you just want to hum you just want to sing so we're reflecting the words of a song, but whatever it is, whatever it is, the idea is that we would declare the lordship of Jesus over the streets of this place. And so whatever, anything, anything you use, whatever, anything that you want that declares the lordship of Jesus over the streets and over the neighborhoods and over the estates. And whether it's in Rich Hill or whether it's where you are, where you're from. Worship and then ask. And as we, this has again been really helpful for me. It's been really helpful because as I walk, I'm able to be so much more specific than I, uh, than I'm able to just sitting in my own living room. Because actually, there is because the school, the school needs prayed for. And I will if I remember. If I remember, I'll pray for the school sitting at home. Or, the health center. I'll. I'll remember the odd time to pray for the health center. But as I walk, as I walk the village, I can't help. I can't help but begin to ask specific prayers for the, for the doctors, for the GPs in the health center, for the patients that will make their way into that place. I can't help but make it specific when I walk past the, 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 the office of, of William Irwin. I can't help but be specific when I walk past the businesses that are in our, in our community. And there's something about walking the ground that allows me to be specific about places and people. I feel like I'm so much more engaged when I'm when I'm walking the streets. I feel I'm so much more engaged in specific intentional prayer. And please don't get me wrong, I know that you can do that at home. You can do that in your living room. You can do that in your bedroom. I know that. But this has been my experience, and I think it would be really helpful for for you as well in the, whatever community you find yourself in that as you walk it you begin to be specific about places and people and what I'm convinced happens and what will happen maybe not all the time but it does happen that you begin to listen so as we worship and we ask and then begin to listen and so I'm asking myself the question God what is it that you want to say as I, as I, as I find myself maybe just pausing at different places throughout the walk God, is there something here that you're wanting to say? Is there something here that, that you want me to get? Where is it that you're already at work? Where is it that you're already at work? 
as I worship and as I declare his lordship, I want to know where it is that he's, that he's already at work. And the ongoing battle that I have, and I still think I have it on a regular basis, is that I must believe that he wants to communicate. And that seems really simple, but I, there, I, I, I think for some of us, we don't always believe that. Sometimes we pray and we just don't expect. Maybe you do believe it. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe you do believe that he does want to communicate. But I think for some of us in the room, we don't expect him to. And for some of us, we don't expect that he's going to speak. We don't expect that he's going to illuminate something. That he's going to reveal his heart for a particular place. He's going to reveal his purposes for a particular business. He's going to reveal his heart for a particular teacher as you walk the school and pray around the school. Like we don't, sometimes we just don't expect that. For me, I have to confess, oftentimes I don't expect that he wants, he wants to reveal where he's at work. He wants to, to, to say something. And for those that have heard me speaking in any environment over the last couple of weeks, you maybe have got sick of me saying this. But it's so true that he is not going to do it for us. When we think about his kingdom coming, when we see about the land being taken, he is not going to do it for us. He is going to do it with us. He's not going to do it for us. He's going to do it with us. And I am convinced of that from the beginning of the word to the right to the very end. We were, we were reading uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 uh, during the week. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, uh, Paul says that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, he searches the deep things of God and reveals them to us. Like, that's amazing. The Spirit of God searches the deep things of God. And there's part of me still doesn't get that. I still can't fully fathom that. The deep things of God. Like, I, we can't, we, I don't think we have a glimpse of the depth of his kindness, the depth of his mercy, the depth of his love. We haven't even, we haven't, we've barely scratched the surface. But the Spirit does, and he searches. He, he is searching the deep things of God and reveals them to us. He is not wanting to do this for us. He is wanting to do this with us. He is wanting to take the land, to, to, to bring the name of Jesus with us. In John chapter 15, verse 15, again, like I know you've heard me talk about those, the, the closing words of Jesus in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. I love them, but there's times where there's, there's one or two of the verses just grip me for a period of time. And the fact that Jesus would say, the fact that Jesus would say to those that would follow him, that those that would obey him, that those that would move out of a place of comfort, those that would, that would obey no matter, what it, no matter what it takes, to those, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And he goes on to say, I'm not keeping any of this to myself. What the Father has revealed to me, I am making it known to you. Jesus is incredible. He is incredibly kind. He is incredibly good. I am, like Neville's talking about being all, there's moments where I like just, I'm in awe of Jesus. And I'm in awe that he would call me a friend. Because, you know, I know some of the things that I've thought this week. I know some of the things that I've said and that I've done. And Jesus, Jesus still calls me friend. And Jesus' desire for me is still the same. Need. I want, I'm, I'm wanting you to obey. I'm wanting you to, to believe. 
I want you to step foot into the ground, the land that I'm longing for you to take. And all that the Father has made known to me, all that the Father has revealed to me, I'm making it known to you. And I'm in awe of him because it has to do something to my level of expectation. It has to do something to my level of, of hunger. It has to do something to, to whenever I think of Caleb. Yes, I can silence the negativity. I can silence it because we can do it. We can do it. And so we want to worship, we want to ask, and we want to listen. And we also want to know. We want to be informed. I think it was a number of months back that I felt like one, one of the nights that we were at the living room, I felt like the language that, that the Lord gave me was that we would have our ear to the ground. It's those that have their ear to the ground that know what's going on, that know uh, where the need is, that know where the pain is. And so when it comes to this idea of knowing, we want to be, we want to be people that are informed. We want to be people that, that maybe do a bit of research. And I know this isn't for everybody. I know reading a book like this would not be for everybody. But this book was published, it was, it was, uh, it was um, launched uh, back in October in the village. The story of, the story of Rich Hill. And it goes way back. And I don't know how fruitful or how productive this is going to be as we can sit, as, as just begin to, to, to know what's going on in our community. But, but I think it could be helpful. It could be helpful to know what took place here. It could be helpful to know what, what strangleholds maybe were, were, are, are over this place or were over this place. Could be. Could be something that is revealed as, as I continue to go through this that there are strongholds that need broken. What problems are there? What problems have there been and what problems are there still ongoing? It's fascinating to me because I have, I've lived in Rich Hill since it was pretty much since I was born. I've lived here most of my life. And it's a quiet, sleepy little village now, contemporary. That's what it looks like now. But you go back to this, you go back centuries ago. This was a place that was bombed and it was burnt. It was a place that the people in it were in rebellion. There was civil war. There was all sorts that took place. There was famine. All took place in this little community. And so we've been through a lot. And part of me wants to know to walk the land, I want to know what's took place, what's went on. And I'm convinced it's going to be helpful, even if it's not helpful. Do you know what I love? I love that on Tuesday, the 27th of April, 1762, John Wesley preached the gospel in Rich Hill Market House. Not brilliant. John Wesley was John Wesley was here a number of years ago. He came to Ireland a number of times. He came through to Rich Hill three times. He came to Rich Hill in 1762, and then he had to come back again to and it's his diary that says he had to go back to the backsliders of Rich Hill. <laughs> he came back in, 19, in, the, in 1765, on the 16th of June, 1765, to the backsliders of Rich Hill. But he said, he said something remarkable happened here that he didn't see happen in Newry. And no, anybody that's from Newry, this is, this is just John Wesley's diary. Or anything, anything that happened beyond that, something happened here. He believed was, was a serious work. And so he talks about how the children were serious. And, when, and, and, and people that have looked at John Wesley's work, it's not serious as in, as in like sad or glum. It was like there was something significant taking place in the lives of the children. Something serious was going on here a number of years ago. And so it's just good to know that. I find it just helpful to know and to be able to celebrate that John Wesley was here 
And uh, and what significance that has, maybe none. But it's good information to it's good information anyway. Joshua one verse three it says about I will uh, I will give you every place where you set your foot. And then he goes on that the Lord goes on to say now Joshua get get the word in your heart get my word in your mind meditate upon it day and night don't let it depart from you. And actually in Deuteronomy chapter eleven there's something there's something similar something similar that takes place. When the writer says, like, "You want to get his word. You want to get it in your forehead. You want to like. You want to know it. You want to bind it to your forehead. You want to. You want to see it when you wake up. You want to be talking about it when you go to bed. And as you begin to walk in such a way, as you become familiar with my word, as you become familiar with my ways, Deuteronomy chapter eleven, and I can't remember the verse, but it says the same thing. I will give you the uh, the land where you set your foot. There's something about the significance of being aware." being familiar with his word. As we consider what it is to take the land in these, in these examples in, in, uh, in Joshua chapter 1 and Deuteronomy chapter 11, there seems to be a, there seems to be a, a, marrying, a marrying of the two things. You want to take the land, you need to become familiar with my voice. You need to become familiar with my word. You need to become familiar with my ways. And that is what I'm longing for it and I want to touch a wee bit more on that next Sunday. Because I think as we, we're, we're still, I suppose maybe it feels a bit more loose this morning, but the I believe that beginning to walk the ground, that is that is taking our prayer, prayer into a deeper level. I think it's taking us into the deep. And I'd love this just to maybe just ignite a few thoughts next Sunday about what it'll be like even when it comes to the word what it'll be like for us to just to dig in a wee bit deeper there. Because we want to dig a wee bit deeper there because we acknowledge that it's becoming familiar with his word and become familiar with his ways that's going to that's gonna help us when we consider what it is to to take the land. And I, f- and I close with this. I close with this verse in Proverbs chapter 8. A verse that a group of people prayed over us on, on Wednesday night. Proverbs 8 verses, you could almost read the whole chapter. In my Bible, it's entitled, the whole chapter of Proverbs chapter 8 is entitled Wisdom's Call. And this is what it says. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights along the way and where the paths meet, she takes her stand beside the gates leading into the city. At the entrances, she cries aloud. And so there's something about the story in Joshua, the story in Deuteronomy that I that I believe in that to help us, to equip us to take the land. I hope the, those four things are just simple, helpful little uh, methods of instruction to help us as we prayer walk our homes, our workplaces, our our, our communities. But I'm I'm so aware of how much we need wisdom, how much we need discernment. And increasingly, I think, I shouldn't say increasingly, because I think well, the church has always been in a place where we need wisdom. The followers of Jesus have always needed wisdom and understanding. Maybe it's just because I've become more aware of it. I'm more aware that I'm not as smart as I think I am. I need wisdom. I need, I need understanding. I need discernment. 
And what I loved about these verses being read over us is I was, unbeknownst to the guys that were praying over us, my, my heart was for us, not just me, but us together, being a people that would prayer walk our homes and our communities and our neighborhoods. And it's just beautiful to me that, that, the, that the writer, the Proverbs, the Proverbs chapter 8, tells us that wisdom, that we will meet wisdom and understanding at the entrance to the city. There's something about that that just, that just filled me with a sense of confirmation, I think, this morning, that, God, we, w- we want to be familiar with your words. We want to be familiar with your ways. We need the wisdom and the understanding to, to hear and to know and to even know what to do with that. And so it's just a reminder to me that, the, that it's when we begin to go, we begin to walk the land that we'll, that we'll, that we'll sense and know wisdom, that we will meet her. We will meet her at the city gates at the entrance to the city, understanding cries aloud. And maybe we need to push this even further. And we maybe will, but we want to become, not only do we want to become familiar with his words and his ways, but we also want to understand the times. We want to discern what the Father is doing in the world. And, uh, and so we'll pick up a wee bit of that uh, next, next Sunday morning. Is that all right? I just pray. And then Judah's going to close with one last song. So Father, I thank you for, thank you for your word. I pray that you would empower us, Holy Spirit, you would equip us to be ones that would, that would step our feet on the land, that we'd be ones that would intentionally begin with every step that we take, just declare the lordship of Jesus over our homes and our estates and our communities the towns and the villages that we represent. Father, we're longing just to see you come and bring hope and transform the lives of people who have not yet experienced it. And so would you create just a level of hunger within us, a level of expectation within us. As we go, we just begin to believe that you are that you are doing something, that you are already at work. We acknowledge that and we say, we go, God, we know that you're already at work. We know that you're at work in this place. And so would you help us to discern? Would you help us to know? Would you help us to understand? As we once again just surrender our lives, we surrender the time that it would take, the energy that it would take, and just trust that you want to give us so much more than we could have ever have expected or thought or imagined for your glory and for the extension of your kingdom. Amen.